Hello, friends. It's time for the second hour of Open Line with Dr. Michael Rajonik, Moody Radio's Bible study across America, where we're talking about your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. My name is Michael Rajonik. I'm the academic dean and professor of Jewish studies at Moody Bible Institute. So glad that we're together today. I've got a guest for the second hour. It's a new version of the two Michaels. Many of you know my friend Mike Van Lanningham, who co-edited the Moody Bible Commentary with me. And we are on Chris Favory Live once a month talking about your questions about the Bible. That's uh, two Michaels joined Chris Favory Live. But today, the other Michael is Dr. Mike Fabares. He is the pastor of Compass Bible Church and also the author of a book that we talked about last hour. I want to make sure that you... Uh, get to know about that. If you missed the first hour, and I know some stations only carry the second hour of Open Line, what uh, what it's called is envy, a big problem you didn't know you had. And it's a terrific little book, only about 125 pages, easy to read, really well written. And it's about how to deal with this problem that maybe some of us ignore. And so we d- we're not going to talk about it this hour so much, but what I want you to know is make sure to go get that uh, and also check out our first hour discussion. You can listen online. You can get the podcast. You can listen on the Moody Radio app, all these other ways that you can listen to it if you missed the first hour. Uh, anyway, but this hour, uh, Dr. Mike, Pastor Mike is joining me for your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. The phone number, if you want to call, is 877 548 3675. Again, 877-548-3675. And uh, if you can't call, you can just go to our website, and there's a link there that says, Ask Michael a Question. You can post your question there. Trisha even checks it out during the break. She may even add it to the mailbag today or in the future. Okay. Well, uh, again, joining me is Pastor Mike Fabares from Compass Bible Church. Tell me what town it's in. I, I think it's going to say Aliso Viejo, but I don't know if I'm saying it right. Uh, <laughs> well, it's close. Okay. Aliso Viejo. Yeah, Aliso Viejo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Viejo. And yeah, uh, I, listen, I am so jealous. The one place I've always wanted to live but never did is Orange County. I I think, yeah. when especially today, it was 12 degrees, and I'm thinking, yeah, I'd like to be in Orange County today. So, yes. Yeah. Well, Orange County's never seen 12 degrees, I don't think. So, uh, yeah, we, we, don't, we don't get that kind of weather. Orange yeah, County, the, California. Wow. The, the snow beautiful. falls here in liquid form, and it's usually about 60 degrees when it rains. Yeah. But uh, we did have a lot of rain recently. Uh-huh. So uh, now we, you we do get rain. You d- Yeah, uh, you guys don't. I heard there was terrible rain and landslides yes. and things like that. Is it over? Is it Has it passed? Yeah. Yeah, it's passed, and uh-huh. and I don't check the weather report every day, but hopefully it's not coming back anytime soon. But yeah, we had a lot of rain, but frankly, I was in a, a meeting uh, in Florida for the worst of it, so I I left, I skipped town, <laughs> and went to Florida while 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 houses slid off the hillsides. Yeah, yeah that's you know I I went to a school out in the San Gabriel Valley after I went to Moody for my undergraduate degree back that I'm so old that Moody only gave a diploma when I went to Moody. It was a three-year diploma. And I went to Azusa Pacific University for my uh, yeah. my fourth year of college and got my degree. And we were a mile from the San Gabriel Mountains and didn't know there were mountains there. 
And then because of the, the <laughs> smog. The smog, yeah, yeah, the smog. And then it rained in February, and it rained yeah. and rained and rained. And what happened was the, uh, the, uh, the, first of all, we could see the mountains. That was great when it cleared up. But the other thing was that there were landslides and all sorts of issues. I mean, I think that's the negative of living in Southern California. There's all these fires and landslides and who knows. Whenever, when you get weather, it gets bad. That's all I can say. Yeah, it's, well, yeah. APU is uh, too far from the ocean. Uh, so <laughs> you got to get closer to the ocean and get a little cleaner air, yeah, a little better weather. And that, it gets hot at APU. It yeah, it was very hot yeah. in the summer when yeah. we got there. That's funny. Yeah. Anyway, well, okay, okay we're going to take some questions here. Uh, and one's question is about Envy. So we're going to talk to Al in Williston, Vermont, listening to WGLY. Welcome to Open Line, Al. How can Mike help you? <laughs> well, first of all, maybe anxiety is another thing, because while I was waiting for you, anxiety was building up in me to ah. speak with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't be anxious. Just, just, just go ahead with your question. Hmm. Okay. I, I think a lot of people have uh, Envy with the people who have already gone to be with the Lord. And I like it uh, biblically exposed as to the difference between time here and time in heaven. Okay. So when the person leaves here, they go directly to be with the Lord. Is that then in a a non-time zone which is everlasting? Well, non-time zone, I'm not sure exactly what you mean by that, but we were created by God uh, for a time-space reality, and certainly we're going to experience that ultimately. The intermediate state, which theologians really struggle with, is like, what's that going to be all about? And we've got some hints, obviously, but we know we'll be conscious, we'll be aware. Um, but, you know, when when the software of our spirit gets detached from the hardware of our body, it is a a strange experience, I'm sure, but uh, that's not how we're meant to be. As Paul put it in 2 Corinthians 5, you know, we, we'll be naked at that point, so to speak, and we'll long to be, uh, you know, in our eternal dwelling, this new uh, resurrected body that God has designed for us. And when we get that glorified body, yeah, it's going to be in a time-space reality. Uh, we'll have fingernails, and we'll have eyelashes, and elbows, and kneecaps, and it will be something where we're going to eat and enjoy eternal eternity in a time domain. It doesn't mean that it's, uh, you know, not going to, that it's going to end. It will, it will end. Uh, I mean, it will not end, rather, but it will, it will have a successive period of experience in the now, and that's what time is, right? We're experiencing things now, and, and we will continue to have that experience, but just like uh, in anything that's good, we don't want it to end, and we will not have it end, mm-hmm. and that's the good news of uh, living in an eternal kingdom where Christ is ruling and reigning on the throne. Generally speaking, though, in this life, I don't think that people are envious of those who've gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, no, no, they're not. I, we're, we're, we're content. I, you know, I, once I almost died, I was very close, and I told my friend afterwards that I was really grateful. I have a good friend in Orange County. I told him I'm really grateful to be alive. He said, ah, you'd be happier dead, and I think that's true. You know, I would be happier dead, uh, but nevertheless, I feel like, you know, I'm reminded by uh, someone also that uh, Warren Wiersbe said that we're all immortal until our work is done. And that's why we're happy to be alive. And then when the Lord takes us and we, we're rejoicing in his presence. But I don't think we're envious of those who are there yet. We, 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 whether we live or die, you know, 
uh, yeah. we're, we're here for the Lord. Well, remember the word envy means that I'm resentful. I don't resent anybody that's in the presence of the Lord. I may covet being yeah. there. And I do think that that could be sin, right? Mm-hmm. I could be so like, woe is me, this life is horrible. Paul said, if uh, it would be better to be with the Lord, but I know to live on in the flesh means fruitful labor for me. And that should be the right perspective. Mm-hmm. If God has me here, even on a deathbed, even if I'm just languishing, I can still pray, I can still worship, I can still give thanks. So mm-hmm. we have work to do as long as God gives us breath, That's for sure. exactly right. Yep. Okay. Thanks for your call, Al. Appreciate it. We're going to talk with Christopher in Freeport, Illinois, listening on WMBI. Welcome to Open Line, Christopher. How can we help you today? Good uh, Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have been looking at, um, well, let me just reference Deuteronomy 28, where God says to the people of Israel that if a prophet delivers an inaccurate prophecy, um, they should be stoned. That's Deuteronomy 18, um, but, right? Oh, excuse me, 18. Yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, I'm going off that one by memory, but I have mm-hmm. Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 14 in front of me. In 1 Corinthians, um, Paul talks about people giving a prophecy and other prophets then evaluating it. Um, now, this is in the context of order. But I'm wondering, is there any kind of difference between either prophecy itself or how it is evaluated in the first century versus the uh, Old Testament covenant? Well, I'm going uh, to ditch this over to Mike, Pastor Mike in a minute, but I, I, there is a book out. Uh, that came out, oh, some time ago, uh, Prophecy in the New Testament, and it argues that New Testament prophets were different than Old Testament prophets. Uh, Others have argued Mm -hmm. that they can be wrong, and it's not a problem. They've argued that uh, they don't have to be heeded or listened to. Uh, No one will be held accountable. I don't agree with that. I I don't know where Dr. Mike's on on that. I think he probably is like like me. Uh, But... uh, I believe that New Testament prophets and apostles were linked, and they had to be heeded. They had to be, uh, uh, they were had to be accurate, uh, and uh, just like Old Testament prophets. Now, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Pastor Mike, what what do you think about judging the prophets, discerning? Well, here's what we need to remember. We when we think of prophets, right, we're thinking about often by default, like they're they're predicting the future. Mm-hmm. And of course, that was part of what prophets did to prove that they were speaking for God, because only God knows the future. Uh, but prophecy in the New Testament and a lot of prophecy in the Old Testament is just a diagnosing, it's it's stating facts, it's it's being a, a mouthpiece for God's truth. And in the New Testament, right, the church needed preachers, and they were called prophets because we didn't have a New Testament document. We didn't have a New Testament to judge 
their words by. So when you read in 1 Corinthians 14, someone saying something and the rest evaluating, you've got to remember that, that what we're talking about is things like you would find in the book of Hebrews, right? Is it really that the, the temple doesn't matter in, anymore in New Testament uh, church life? Is it, matter, is it really that we don't have a priesthood, a Levitical priesthood, that we should all, we're all priests before God? How would we know that? We can't look at 1 Peter because we don't have New Testament writings yet. So the New Testament church had to function by preachers proclaiming truth, and God was giving them this, this revelation, which is not like what's going to happen you know, next year, next month. So this whole trend of fallible prophets, uh, which means that some guy in the lobby is going to say, you're going to have a kid, and that kid's going to grow up to do something great for the Lord, and that's a prophecy. And then you know the kid that you've got, uh, there, it maybe miscarries. It's like, oh, well, he was wrong, but it's okay, because you know prophets can be fallible. Then It usually is people trying to predict the future, and that's the problem with thinking about prophecy as one-dimensional, particularly when we look at New Testament texts that mm-hmm. show us the prophets doing their ministry. So in my very first pastorate, uh, there was a woman who was allegedly a prophet, and she told a a young woman that if she went to the mall on such and such a day at such and such a store, a man would walk out, and that's the man she would marry. And of course, it didn't happen. And then they came to me, and they said, what do we do? And I said, well, first, we're going to thank God that we don't have to stone you for for that false prophecy. (laughs) But uh, I think that's we get... uh, we are mistaken uh, in thinking that someone is a prophet. I don't. My personal uh, conviction is there are no biblical prophets today. Uh, I believe I'm, I'm. I'm looking at the screen here, and Mike, Pastor Mike's nodding his head. I think that they are part of the foundational gifts of the church, along with apostle. And so, it's not something that we have to. Uh, we don't have to evaluate prophets today. That, anyway, that's right. Yeah, we're going to take a break here, and we come back. Uh, we're going to take more of your questions. Uh, you're listening to Open Line. I'm Michael Rydelnik. Joining me today is Dr. Mike Fabares of Compass Bible Church. And uh, I think it's safe to say the regular guest host here on Open Line. I'm so glad that you do that for me. We're going to be right back uh, and take more of your questions. Uh, stay with us. We're more, there's more questions coming up straight ahead. me, Michael Rydelnik, and Dr. Mike Fabares. He's the pastor of Compass Bible Church. And also, are you the president or the chancellor, what are you, of Compass Bible Institute? The king is what the I king. No. The king. <laughs> I'm the president, which means I've got other people doing all the hard work. Oh, I but, see. Uh, there we go. Yeah. Yes, right, right, right. Now, cl- courses have started, and things are, are going pretty well, huh? Yes. Well, yeah. we chose uh, in our in our limited uh, knowledge the year 2020 to start our school. So uh, ah. it was a hard time. We got we we got off to a rough start, but uh, God is continuing to grow our little nascent uh, school, and we're off we're off and running, and uh, numbers keep going up. More people studying with us, and we're trying to equip people really in the in the spirit of the old Bible school movement of the late 19th century. We want to train people who just want to maximize their gifts, so many of them just in the church. They're small group leaders, they're discipling, they're counseling, and uh, we're getting them equipped, and uh, also some that are preparing for uh, ministry jobs where they're going to get paid as pastors or whatever. But uh, we love equipping people uh, for good and greater fruitfulness in the church. Mm, That's good. 
You know, I, I was thinking about that. I bet there's a course in at least Bible interpretation, let alone Bible study methods. And, you know, when I went to seminary, I, the first course we all took, and, it, you know, for 40 years at Dallas Seminary, everyone took their first course with Howard Hendricks. Prof. Hendricks was a master teacher. He taught us about how to study the Bible, and he was so much fun. And after he got us laughing uproariously, he'd say, oh, that's too convicting, and move on to the next thing. And uh, I loved studying with him, and he has committed his uh, course to writing. It's called, the book is called Living by the Book. It's our current resource, and we would love to send you a copy. And it's the way we can say thank you to you for any a gift of any size to OpenLine. Uh, we'll send you a copy of Living by the Book. It's a book that will transform how you read the Bible, how you study the Bible. I just, I can't uh, endorse it enough. Uh, you'll learn how to observe, interpret, apply, and that's uh, such a crucial, those are three crucial aspects of Bible study. And as Prof. Hendricks used to say, you haven't studied until you've applied. And so I, I, I really want to encourage you. Uh, this is a great book, and if you'd like to uh, give a gift to OpenLine. What you can do is go to openlineradio.org or you can call 888-644-7122 and to say thank you, we're going to send you a copy of Living by the Book by Howard Hendricks. And now we're going to go back to the phones. We're going to talk to Timothy in Riverside, Illinois, listening on WMBI. Welcome to OpenLine, Timothy. Uh, hi. Hi. How old are you, Timothy? 12. 12 years old. Are you in 6th or 7th grade? Uh, I'm in 7th grade. Hi. You have to talk into the phone, Timothy. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm uh, in 7th grade at Hauser Junior High. Oh, good. Good. And uh, do you have a favorite subject there? Uh, math. Nah. Do you like to read? Uh, kind of. Yeah. Do you have a favorite book? Chapter book I'm, I'm talking about. Ah, uh, okay. Well, I'm going to encourage you. Get started, man. That That's going to change your life. Okay? Okay. Okay. Uh, by the way, my favorite book uh, for 12, when my when my boys were 12, is I read it, The Hobbit out loud to them, and they loved it. Uh, so maybe oh. get your folks to read you The Hobbit. You'll have a good time with that. So anyway, okay. uh, how, how can we help you today? So, uh, my little brother had a question that my grandma could not answer. Oh, and the boy. Question Wait, is, if your grandma couldn't answer it, I'm not sure we can, but we'll try. Okay. Um, so, it was, what language did uh, everyone speak before God was Okay. You're kind of fading in and out, but I heard the question. What language did everyone speak before the Tower of Babel, right? Before the languages were confused. Okay. Well, I'm just going to say Hebrew because that's the language of heaven, but I don't know that for sure. How do you feel about that? Well, it sounds like, a, sounds like an answer from the uh, chair of the uh, Jewish studies at Moody Bible Institute, but I think you're wrong, Dr. Rydelnik. Uh, I just do. I, I mean, I think logically we think it must have been something else because how in the world could everyone not? Uh, I mean, either a miracle of, of, of changing languages or a miracle of them not remembering one language. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what the language was. So I think Grandma's probably on to the right thing, which yeah. is yeah. Uh, we don't know. I we, Hebrew too. 
You think Hebrew too? Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> well, you Look know, at your influence here, it's, Doctor. It's Ray the Dunn. language of heaven. Come on, what 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 are they always talking in heaven? Except in the New Testament, they're speaking Greek. So it's yes. either Hebrew or Greek. I guess. No, I don't yeah. know. I really don't know. Uh, we don't know. And, uh, you know, here's the main thing is we don't need to know. We know that they had one language and, and then they were, uh, transformed and, you know, languages are related. Uh, there are a lot of what are called Semitic languages like Hebrew languages like Arabic and Akkadian and things like that. And so we don't know how it all happened, but, uh, we trust God that, that, uh, he taught them a lesson when he says scatter, you better scatter or he'll scatter us. So thanks for your call, Timothy. Appreciate it. Uh, we're going to talk to Susan in Vidalia, Georgia, listening on WGPH. Welcome to Open Line, Susan. How can we help you? I absolutely love this show. Uh, it makes me want to study Hebrew because I'm not so sure I'll have a grasp on it by heaven. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. I was born and raised in Miami, Florida, and knew many a good Jewish child in my classes. Well, now I'm living in South Georgia, and I have a little lady who is in her 80s that is born and raised Jewish, and she has become a very dear friend. And we have, I tried to talk to her about the Bible, and I tried to tell her the connections between the Old Testament and the New Testament, her Bible and my full Bible. And when I, I have things like the uh, bronze serpent that is raised in the um, when the, the snakes were all coming out, mm-hmm. she looks at me like I'm crazy and says, what are you talking about? So I go back to Genesis and I tell her about, you know, when, when the serpent bites Jesus' heel and Jesus crushes the serpent's head. And she doesn't even know that. Yeah. How? How do I communicate with somebody who does a lot of reading, but there are readings of these old rabbis from the 500s, 400s? Yeah, and she, she says how she, bored she, uh, she surprising is. to know that she's even reading the Talmud or the Mishnah, because most Jewish people don't, especially uh, women, don't usually study that. The thing I would encourage you to do is tell her that the ultimate Jewish book is the Hebrew Bible. You don't, you don't need to point to the New Testament just yet. Encourage her to read the Hebrew Bible uh, and get her a good contemporary translation of it uh, because it's hard to read. I, I've met a lot of Israelis who would rather read, when, when I talk to them about the Bible, they're more comfortable reading the English modern translation than they are the ancient Hebrew because it's as different as Shakespeare, Shakespeare in English is to right. modern mm-hmm. English. And so their modern Hebrew isn't as, they're not as able to read it. So encourage her to uh, get a Hebrew, to read the Hebrew Bible. And there's something else. Uh, I, I'm guessing that in her 80s, she's not much of a uh, internet searcher or anything like that, right? I, I think they do a lot of that in the household. So, okay. Yeah. Well, you know what we're going to do is uh, uh, I'm going to ask you to uh, hang on, and I'm going to have Trisha get your email address, and I'm going to email you a couple of links. There was something I I did, a, a video I did a number of years ago called My Search for Messiah, and it's me walking through the Hebrew Bible and how it points to the Messiah Jesus. And, and I, Very good. 
And yeah. there are two episodes of a TV show, and I'll send you that link, and you can give it to her, and maybe you can even watch it with her. That might be something that would really help her. Okay? Thank you. I've been using V Callister. Shvi- yeah, it's V Callister. I love V. Yeah. <laughs> He's he he's he's a good guy. I gave her a copy of it, but she wouldn't read it. So yeah, I knew uh, when I did my pastoral internship, Svi was uh, was one of the elders in the congregation in Jerusalem. So I knew him back then, Uh, and uh, also his son now leads a congregation in Jerusalem. So, yeah, great talking with you, Susan. Appreciate it. Uh, We're gonna let's see what time. Got time for another call this segment. We're going to talk to Susan, I'm not sorry, Jeffrey in Kingsville, Ohio, listening on WCRF. Uh, welcome to, oh, did we drop him? I guess so. Uh, Tom in Spokane, Washington, listening on KMBI. Welcome to Open Line, Tom. Go ahead with your question. Hello, I have the greatest respect for you both, and uh, I thank you for taking my call. I'm just going to ask the question really quickly and then Mm -hmm. hang up and uh, listen to your answer. Um, I've been reading Numbers, and uh, I was reading Numbers 7 about all the uh, offerings of the uh, grain and the uh, animals and everything, and then I was reading about the people complaining about them. Uh, we're tired of eating manna, so I'm just confused about the timeline. When they were just eating manna, and did they have livestock and grain in the wilderness with them? So okay. um, anyway, okay. what, when did they about complain that. about the manna, Pastor Mike? What do you think? Well, well why, why during, did they complain? I guess. Well, <laughs> well, they get, they complain because they're complainers, just like us. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no. I mean, this is what God was providing, as you know. They were scraping up what looked like cornflakes, probably on uh, every day, and gathering their uh, manna, and that was something that was provided for them in the wilderness. But we often have to remember they took out a lot with them from Egypt, so they had plenty of of uh, animals. But of course, they had to be very economical about the use of those animals and how they dealt with them. But they were eating manna and tired of the manna pretty early on. That's why God brought the quail and made them eat right. quail till it came out their nose. Exactly. And made those animals that they brought with them may have been preserved for sacrificial use. So yes. anyway, hey, thanks for your call. We're going to come back with more with the mailbag in just a moment. So don't go away. This is Open Line with two Michaels. Not the two Michaels, but two Michaels. Open line. Uh, it's time for the FEBC mailbag. We're grateful that Far Eastern Broadcasting Company partners with Open Line to bring you the FEBC mailbag, uh, and and here we are. It's it's uh, two uh, people who know Ed Cannon, who's the president of FEBC, Far Eastern Broadcasting Company. We both love him. Uh, and what he does in bringing the gospel to unreached places through media is just phenomenal. And uh, if you're interested, you can learn about that. They've got a program called Until All I've Heard. Go to febc.org and you can find their podcast and listen to it there. And we're, again, grateful for their partnership. Uh, we're going to go to the mailbag now. Trisha, what do you got for us? Okay, well, um, our first one is from... Um, Michael, who wanted to know, is all lawful buying and selling covetousness, especially as it relates to non-necessities or memorabilia, 
after tithing? Um, will he lose his salvation because he's viewed as an idolater? He did want to make sure that you knew he is ha- he's handicapped, and so he has seen that memorabilia can sometimes be used to fill a need in his life that he doesn't have because he's not he can't drive, and so he's not out um, mm-hmm. doing other things that other people may be doing to fill a need in their lives. Okay, so buying and selling, is it uh, covetous? Uh, or does it lead to covetousness? Yeah, let's tackle that one. Yeah. You, I'll, I'm going to let you go first. You're the expert. Okay. You're the most covetous person I know. No, no, you wrote the book about envy. So. Wrote the book on envy. <laughs> that sounds like an insult. No, no. It does. <laughs> but it's a book called Envy. Envy. Mm-hmm. The book's called Envy, a problem you didn't know that you had, a big problem you didn't know that you had. So go ahead with that. What do you think, Mike? Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Yes, here's what I think about that. Uh, I think there's no possible way that we can look at just the concept of of selling and buying as uh, something envious. And certainly it's not uh, threatening our relationship with God, right? If we're Christians, we put our trust in Christ, right? We are his children. Uh, We can have a a good day and a bad day, but when it comes to us saying, well, if I I bought something that's unnecessary and spent money on it, I'm not going to be his child. That just needs to be out of our minds completely. That's just not the way Mm -hmm. we should be thinking about it. So what we need to do is to recognize that sometimes we can be so covetous about things that we sacrifice what we should be using for other means, like, uh, I don't know, just our daily living or buying clothes and food, and we're spending it on unnecessary things. We can be foolish in that, uh, but this is not a threat to our salvation. It is not something that we should, in our own minds, think is is in in essence sinful. If I'm going to use a biblical example, I could look at the Song of Solomon, and I can look at Solomon's bride and and Solomon's talking about all the the jewelry that she's wearing and the perfumes, right? Well, those are really unnecessary. You don't need any of that. But of course, there's a there's a reason for us sometimes to do things that may seem uh, even extravagant to others. They may seem unnecessary to others, but it's part of just experiencing and enjoying the gifts that God allows us to have. And so if there's memorabilia that you like to buy and it brings joy to you and you're not sacrificing uh, the necessities of your life or giving or being generous, you're able to do that with your friends and, of course, give to your church, then I would say, uh, yeah, enjoy the memorabilia as long as you thank God for it and it's in the right position in your own heart and your own mind. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to talk about the Eshet Chayel, the woman of noble character of Proverbs 31. Here, I, I thought we were on the air. We're not on the air right now? No, we're on the air. Oh, the okay. Air. I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> See, uh, this is the problem with the two yeah, Michaels. Yeah, okay. there we go. Forgive so me. Forgive it me. It says here of her, she evaluates the field, verse 16. She, and buys it. So she's buying and selling. And she plants a vineyard with her earnings. It says that uh, uh, that she makes and sells linen garments and delivers belts to merchants. So she's involved and she's, she's elevated as the woman of noble character. And so clearly buying and selling is not a, a problem with... Uh, uh, for covetousness, it's it's actually something that the Bible actually endorses and says it's it's appropriate. But again, we could buy and sell things that we ought not to. Uh, the better thing is to to focus on that it's okay uh, as long as we're 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 uh, wary. I think of of not becoming consumed with stuff. 
and that's that's what I would say. Anyway, uh, I appreciate that. How does one how does one determine like how do you do a heart check to to determine once this is going beyond Michael's question, but once you know like I think about trends, um, and I think about you know my t- um, teenagers and hopping on trends or early twenties or or even later. Like how do you, how do you do a heart check to determine if you have crossed that line mm-hmm. um, uh, on if you don't have the right priorities? Because that can be a very subtle. Oh, now I'm spending money because your budget may look fine because you have this. This is the part of the budget that I can use for non necessities because maybe you're making enough that you can do that. How do you determine um, if you've crossed that line? I think there's a lot of ways. One thing I think of is are we spending outside of our budget? You know, are we are we using money and and going into debt for things that that we ought not to? Uh, I think another thing, too, is. that uh, how am I using my money? Am I making sure to uh, put God first in the use of my money? If I am buying stuff uh, to satisfy a personal need, but not giving my money towards God's work and God's purposes, that might be a problem uh, with me as well. Anything else you can think of in terms of a heart check? I would say in First Timothy chapter 6, of mm-hmm. course, if we have money, we should be people that are not only enjoying the fruit that that can bring by the things that we can buy that are nice, and that, that's okay as long as we are uh, generous and ready to share. And I do think the, the reality is that the things that we have that we enjoy, as it says a couple chapters early in First Timothy 4, that they're, they're set apart, they're sanctified, right? They're made holy in the sense that they're acceptable and righteous by thanksgiving. And, and, and the truth, right, and, the, and God's Word. And so is it unbiblical? If it's not unbiblical, okay, well then great. Can you give thanks for it? And then are you a generous person? Are you able to find, like Jesus said, it's recorded in the book of Acts, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And as long as you're you're buying, you're buying to give to yourself, but I want you also to, to exercise the muscle of giving and being generous and buy some things for other people. And I think as long as you're able to do that, you can pray about it, you can give thanks for it, and, and you know it's not unbiblical biblical, uh, and you're sharing consistently, then I think you can buy uh, plenty of memorabilia that you don't need and enjoy it and give thanks to God for it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Of course, you don't want it to get control of you. Right. It's just, yeah, I agree. Right. So, okay. Okay. Let's... Thank you for that. Uh, next question is from Daniel in Florida. Listens to WKES. I believe people sin every day, either overtly or in thought. What is the biblical difference between sin and evil? What's the difference between sin and evil? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a very subtle distinction. I'm going to just let uh, Pastor Mike answer that one. <laughs> yeah, well, I think all sin, right, uh, is evil. But there are plenty of words in the Bible, transgression, iniquity, lots of words that show us there's a, certainly a spectrum, right? If, if, I, uh, if I don't give uh, and I'm not generous this month, well, that, that's sin. And I guess you could say that's evil because God is holy and I'm falling short of that mark. But if I went and just uh, kidnapped your baby, right, that, that would seem like, oh, that's really evil. And there's truth to that. And we know that from the Old Testament law. There's greater consequence and punishment for the greater sin. Mm-hmm. So I just think where the line is, where does it go from just a, a sin or some kind of lapse 
to uh, that's really perverse, that's really evil, that's hard to define, but we do know that there are words in the Scripture that seem to express that this is this has gone into territory that is just perverse and 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 it's it's iniquitous, it's evil, it's it's wrong at a at a way that is compounded than just simply not uh, paying my taxes on April fifteenth on time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, it would have always been sinful had Hamas launched that surprise attack on October seventh, but when we see the way they attacked, the horrific. Uh, Treatment of people, the 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 sexual violence, the the cutting off of heads, the when we see that the burning of people alive, think oh that's that's beyond an evil attack. That is like really evil. The wickedness is great. So I think that's that's what it is. Sin, uh, you know, telling a white lie might be evil, but it doesn't have the depth of evil of that those other things. So anyway, uh, thanks for, for that that question, but. Before we go to break, I want to mention that I enjoy when hard questions come in that I can partner with Pastor Mike uh, and toss the question to him because he's good at answering these things. And uh, I I just appreciate partnership so much. uh, And I appreciate every partner here uh, that partners with Open Line, you kitchen table partners who give monthly so we can stay on the air weekly. Really want to appreciate it. And, of course, what we do is we send you if you're a kitchen table partner, a Bible study moment every other week in your email. You click on it, get to listen to it. Uh, I hope people appreciate it and like it, and so far so good, so thankful for that. And if you're interested in becoming a kitchen table partner, we'd sure appreciate it. It means a lot to us. Uh, if you do want to become a kitchen table partner, give monthly to OpenLine. What you can do is go to openlineradio.org, or you can call 888-644-7122. We're going to be right back with more of your calls with questions for Dr. Mike Fabares and myself. Uh, Stay right there. More questions coming up about the scriptures, the Savior, and the spiritual life. Be right back. to Open Line. So glad that you're listening today. Uh, you know, the Israel is facing, uh, is in a war. It's dark time. Uh, the attack by Hamas was brutal and it was terrible. And it gave some people, a, caused some people to lose hope. But God has promised the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, a fantastic future. One of our partners in ministry here, uh, Chosen People Ministries, they are offering Open Line listeners a free copy of a book called Israel's Glorious Future. The book shows God's grand prophetic plan when he will restore Israel both spiritually and physically. If you'd like to receive a copy, go to our website, openlineradio.org. Scroll down till you see the link that says a free gift from Chosen People Ministries. Click on that and fill out the form so you can receive your own free copy of Israel's Glorious Future. Joining me right now, uh, as as he has for both hours today, is Dr. Mike Fabares. We're going to take some questions uh, from listeners right now. Jason in Spokane, Washington, listening on KMBI. Welcome to Open Line, Jason. How can we help you? Well, I was wondering why it seems as if God has been doing a really bad job of getting people into heaven. 
the Earth has been around for 6,000 years, and only a third of the people on Earth claim to be Christians. And it doesn't seem like it's getting any better. Now, let me ask you something, Jason, before you go on, Jason. Are you a Christian? Yes. No, I'm an atheist. Oh. So you think God's doing a bad job. Uh, uh, Now, uh, why do you blame God for that? That's my question. Well, because if I was God, I could do a much better job of getting people into heaven. And his method doesn't seem to be working very well either. Believing in something and then not giving people enough evidence for everyone to believe. Wow. Well, how would you how would you do a better job than God? That's what I'm wondering. It would be very easy. You could just show up and say, hello, I'm God, and let everybody see you. Okay. Well, Jason, let me just say, this is what the Lord Jesus said, and I think he is 100% right. An evil, unbelieving generation seeks a sign. And he also said, even if someone were to be raised from the dead, uh, people still wouldn't believe. So God has given all the evidence that people need. And uh, the problem isn't, doesn't lie with God. It relies with the hearts of humanity that don't want to believe all the, that the gracious God has shown. I hope you'll look at the evidence a little bit more and maybe open your heart to him, Jason. I think it would be helpful to you. Uh, I want to really encourage you, maybe even uh, read the Gospels and see all the evidence that God has provided through the Lord Jesus. I appreciate your call, really do, uh, and thanks for calling. We're going to talk to David in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, listening on the Moody app. How can we help you today? Hi. We're studying uh, Jesus' final words, and Jesus was... um convicted by the uh, Jewish leaders of blasphemy for saying that only they believed only God could sin. Where in wait, wait, the for, uh, God, 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 God alone, wait, wait, God, not that God could sin, but that God can forgive sins, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Where in the Tanaka, where in the Old Testament would they have scripture that would directly lead them to that conclusion. Where in Scripture would they believe that only God can forgive sin? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Uh, well, the, uh, Isaiah 43, 25 yeah. was cited, but my reading is it's not black and white for the this, this simple person to understand that conclusion. Well, David, let me let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. If someone uh, keyed your car and broke your windshield, and uh, I I stepped over and said to the guy, "You're forgiven. I forgive you for doing that," you would logically say, "Mike Fabares, how in the world can you forgive this guy for wrecking my car? You have no right to do that." See, the pro- it's not so much that we're looking for chapter and verse. It's a logical problem, right? Okay. How can sin is against God? Right? How can how can Jesus say he forgives for someone else's honor or someone else's standard of holiness? Right? That's why what they crucified him for was the continual connection that he makes when he says things like, uh, I just opened up to John chapter 5, verse 23, that, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. 
right? Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Or, or the verse is right in front of it. The Father raises the dead and gives them life. So also the Son gives life to whom he will. These, these concepts were like you're identifying that, that you are the same as God, you're equal to God, and, and you're forgiving sins that were committed against God. See, sins against you, David, I can't just step in and forgive because they're not against me. Right? That's something that you and that, that transgressor is going to have to deal with. And that's the problem. It was just a simple, logical problem to say, what do you mean you're forgiving sins against God? You can't do that. You're not God. Mm-hmm. It, I, I don't think we need chapter and verse for that to make sense to the people to pick up stones and want to kill them. Well, also, I think that uh, Isaiah 43, 25 needs to be read in context. In Isaiah 43, 11, it says, I, I am the Lord, and there is no other Savior but me. So when you read Isaiah 43, 25, where it says, it is I who sweep away your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. It is in the context of the Lord saying, I alone, there is no other savior but me. So I think that it's, it's very clear. And then Isaiah 51, Psalm 51, when David says against you and you alone have I sinned, I think that's really important to remember that David sinned against Uriah. But, and he sinned against Bathsheba, but ultimately, all sin is against God, and and so he recognizes that God alone is the one. Now, listen, if I sin against Pastor Mike, I'm going to go ask him for forgiveness, and he can forgive me, but he can't grant me eternal forgiveness. That alone is God's, and that's what Isaiah 43.11 says. He alone is the Savior. Okay, David? Wonderful. I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing something. Yeah simple and uh this is this is wonderful it uh is thank you good our pleasure thanks how much time have we got here trisha we have time for another question okay uh we're we're gonna talk to lanzia lanzia let me see if i understand your question who were the 24 elders in the book of revelation is that what your question is Yes, sir, that's correct. Who, okay. who are the 24 elders? Okay. Uh, I'm going to tell you what I think and see if Mike, uh, Pastor Mike agrees with me. Uh, I think the 24 elders, because they're robed in white, because of that, it makes me think they must be redeemed believers. But no one is sure. Some people think other things. What do you think, Pastor Mike? Yeah, and, and one of the hints I think possibly could be it is in Revelation 21, you've got 12 names written on 12 gates, Right, representing the sons of Israel, and then you've got the 12 names on the foundation stones of the 12 apostles. That equals 24. It could be that that's who we've got there, is that God's grace redeeming those are uh, representative of the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles. So yeah. perhaps. Yeah, and that would make them redeemed believers. So, But it's an enigmatic, and we can't say so for sure. Well, that's our program for today. I can't believe it's over so quickly. And I want to thank Dr. Mike Fabares for joining me. Remember to pick up his book, Envy, A Big Problem You Didn't Know You Had. I'm so grateful that we got to talk about it first hour. Check it out if you missed that hour. Uh, listen online or you can get the app, Moody Radio app, or you can listen to the podcast. During the break, check oh, during the break, during the, uh, during the week, check out our webpage, openlineradio.org. has all sorts of links that you'll find helpful. Uh, Keep in touch with us uh, and check out our current resource on how to become a kitchen table partner. Keep reading the Bible. We'll talk about it next week. Open Line with Dr. Michael Redelnik is a production of Moody Radio. 
a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. See you next week. 